702. Call Rafilwe on 011-883-0702. All right, it's 11 minutes past eight and I've got... Nikki Bush on the line. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's a human potential and parenting expert. And uh, this is a timely, timely subject. Nikki, good morning. Good morning, Rafilwe, and a very happy 2023 to you and to all our listeners. Nikki, thank you so much for that uh, for that message. And uh, the same goes to you. I hope it's a fulfilling one and a happy one this year. So, Nikki, that time of the year again, everything is new. And depending on, you know, your children's disposition, they could be excited about the year ahead. They could also be scared about um, the new academic year. But, you know, inland schools went back to school on Wednesday. And you have got some pointers for parents and guardians about how to make all of this easier. Handling first term jitters. Just describe to us or tell us how jitter, these kinds of jitters might show up in children and how do we help them get a grip, get a handle on them? Absolutely, Rafael. So, you know, you mentioned that so many kids are excited and they are until they get there. <laughs> So, you know, we have to understand that everything is new. So a new year is about new beginnings. It's about getting back into routine or what we term as normal. And it's also characterized by a lot of change. So let's consider that for some children, it's a new school. That's a massive shift. And for every child, it's a new classroom. It's a new teacher. Mm -hmm. It's new friends. It's new subjects. And a new timetable. That is, is a lot of newness, a lot of change, and it can be stressful and cause anxiety for kids. But let's understand it's not just kids. It's their parents too. And all of us are learning to adapt. And we need to do this quite quickly to get into what I call the zone. Yeah. And everybody does it in their own way. And some families find it easier than others. So here are some quick tips to deal with the back-to-school bombshell because it is quite a bombshell that's gone off. You know, I think one of the best things about holiday is that you let go of the the normal routine. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is that we actually thrive on routine. So there's this point in time where, right, we've just got to get back to normal. So here's what you as a parent need to do. Okay, hit us. The first thing is be calm. Because parental anxiety is so infectious, it's unbelievably infectious, and we transfer this feeling very quickly to our children. So we need to exhibit the same feelings that we want them to exhibit, which is our belief in the fact that they're going to be able to cope. And there's a lovely mantra I'd like to give everybody this morning. And I even had to give this to my niece who's at university. Mm -hmm. She was also having first semester jitters. Uh, while we were on holiday, thinking about what's to come in the year. And I said, you've got to say every single day when you wake up, tell yourself, today's going to be a great day. Mm -hmm. And a a lovely affirmation just to claim the day and just to give it direction. So that's the first thing. And of course, you as a parent need to take the lead here in being prepared. There's lots of practical details in the first couple of weeks of school that need to be dealt with. So you've got to tick them off your checklist from stationary requirements to school uniforms to the covering of books and the labeling, of course, of all belongings. Mm. Every last pencil, (laughs) every last book cover. And there's a lot, especially 
if you have more than one child. So, so that kind of level of organization helps your child to feel calm. There's nothing worse than your child pitching up in the classroom and the teacher saying, please take out your A4 hardcover 92-page book for history and your child doesn't have it. Yeah, yeah. So, And and, and that's attention to detail, Rufia, where I remember, you know, as a mum with two boys at school, having two completely different book lists and stationery lists, you've got to really pay attention. Um, and, and also, get uh, your kids involved. And by the way, Nikki, so I'm, I'm just going to interject. You have to pay attention, but there's so many interventions that just make it so much easier for parents these days, whether it's ordering those textbooks online at various stores or whether it's sending or emailing your stationery list to a place like PNA, right? And they'll just, they'll gather everything you need for you. So it doesn't have to be time consuming. You don't have to run around like a headless chicken. Just, do your sort of scouting beforehand and they will help you out. Yes, there's so many more ways to make this easy today. Mm. You're absolutely right. So being organized also means knowing the school timetable and making sure you get your kids to school on time. This is a big commitment for the family in general is to make sure that we all get to school either on time or a little bit earlier. It's so much better for kids to be there before the school bell than to be running in as the bell rings or afterwards because that, once again, raises their anxiety level. So this does mean that you need to know the traffic patterns. And once again, as you say, there are tools that will help you. Go onto Waze and you can punch in the time that you want to arrive and it will tell you the best time when you need to leave your house. Then, of course, there's the school lunches, school Mm. lunch boxes. You know, are you going to do them? Are you going to make them the morning of, you know, the morning that, that you, your kids are going to school? Are you going to do as much prep as you can the night before? You also have to get organized because most parents are going to work as well. Mm. So once again, you need to think about, can you do, um, can you do, put the biscuits and the nuts and the biltong into the lunchbox the night before and make the sandwiches in the morning so that they're fresh? or keep everything in the fridge and just pop it in the lunchbox just before you leave. And then clear thinking and boundary setting is important. You know, boundaries have to come back now. How much time are you going to allow your kids to spend watching TV? How much time gaming? Um, What is the go-to-bed time and what is the wake-up time? Because this has now shifted. Mm. And what you need to remember with children is routine actually relaxes them because they know what to expect. So don't think you're being the ogre. You're actually helping them to calm down. And routine is so important because it brings sanity to the family. It brings predictability. And children know this is what's going to happen next. This is what's expected of you. And this is what's expected of me. So it's, and then I think we need to talk about those babies, <laughs> those babies who are going into preschool and primary school. There's some really practical things that we can do for them. Too. Talk to us about the little ones, uh, Nikki, because I think this can be quite a, a difficult one for parents and letting go. Oh, so big, the letting go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, especially for mothers, because mothers... We're just naturally protective and we want to be needed as well. 
And of course, you know, that child gets that look in their eye Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you get that look in your eye and they can read you like a book. They can absolutely read you like a book. So you have to be firm and you have to be clear and you have to be kind all at the same time. And one of the best things you can do is make the drop-off quick. Because Mm -hmm. the longer you stay around, the more they are going to press your hot buttons. And it becomes this emotional mess, a hot emotional mess. You mean I shouldn't stick around and stare through the uh, school, (laughs) the classroom window (laughs) for the next hour? As long as your children can't see you. (laughs) Because if they can see you, they know they they have you in the palm of their hand. So I used to do something with my kids, which was called the lipstick kiss. And when I left them at preschool, I used to dump a big red lipstick kiss on the back of their hands. And I used to say, when you look at this, you know I'm going to be back later to fetch you. Mm -hmm. Just a reminder that I was thinking of them too. Now, of course, a lipstick can come off their hand. You might want to take a a cookie pen and do a little heart on the inside of their wrist. Yeah. So that they can look at it, and every time they see it, they know that you are thinking of them just as they are thinking of you, and you will be there at exactly 12.30 or 1 o'clock or whatever time it is that you're picking them up um, after aftercare, if you're having to, to work in the afternoon. It's just a beautiful emotional connection. Yeah. And so you've just mentioned aftercare, Nikki. I remember something from my school days where, particularly anxious children whose parents, and by children, I mean one girl specifically, whose mom would sometimes be very late uh, and they'd not, they would not have had a conversation in the morning about what time pickup time is. And this poor mm. girl would spend an hour or two waiting for her mom at aftercare, absolutely in tears and catastrophizing about where her mom was and what had happened. I guess in the same way that you set up and establish a routine so that you've got a horizon of expectations for your child, um, just the importance of even having, as you say, having that conversation around your after-school routine. So, so important. I'm so glad that you mentioned this. If you don't know what time you're going to be collecting your child because you don't have uh, such a, you know, firm routine in your own working life, rather set the expectations for the latest time that you're going to collect them. So if you're not sure if it's going to be two or three o'clock, make it three o'clock. If you arrive early, it's a surprise. It's a bonus. Mm. But rather set the expectations. You know, we need to do scenario planning with our children. We need to tell them um, what's going to happen next, exactly like with the routine. Your collection time is part of their routine. So don't set them up for disappointment. We need to under-promise and rather over-deliver. That's a better way to go than over-promising and under-delivering and then leaving your child in a sticky emotional mess without you. And while we're talking about aftercare, does your child know where the aftercare facility is? Has your child been introduced to the after-school You know, once again, that will make them feel more comfortable, more confident, because with any change, confidence uh, drops for a while until your children get back on that bicycle and feel more confident and more competent that they know the lie of the land. Mm. And we as parents, when we talk about um, our own anxiety, it comes to our own childhood experiences very often. 
so were you the child who used to cry when your when your parents dropped you off at school or not mm. and usually if there's a partnership with a mum or a dad or two parents you'll probably find that one of you was the emotional kind and one of you sailed through yeah. and if you were the one who was the emotional parent and I was the one who used to cry when I was dropped off at school we worked out quite quickly as a couple that it was better in the first week or two for my husband to do the drop off makes sense and for me to do the drop off sure because he didn't carry that emotional history that I carried. So if flexibility allows, then the less anxious parent should do the drop-off for the first few weeks. It's so much easier because my children knew they could feed off my maternal anxiety, but they knew that they couldn't do it with their dad. <laughs> I like I like those strategies and establishing them between um, between the parents. Nikki, you've mentioned anxiety, and I think this is something that can be incredibly anxiety-inducing. And that's the question of your child not getting the teacher that they want, right? It might be, it yeah. might, it might set them up for even further anxiety because perhaps they don't quite gel when it comes to personalities or teaching styles, etc., or discipline styles, etc. How how do you support your child if they find themselves in that scenario? Yeah, it's a difficult one because you don't get much say, of course, in which which teacher your child is going to get. And, of course, every child wants the most popular teacher in the school. But what I have found in my experience is that the child generally gets the teacher they need. And we need, as parents, to take a step back. We need to be a supportive parent who takes a step backwards if your child doesn't get the teacher they wished for and be a little bit more contemplative before rushing in for the charge, Mm -hmm. if indeed such action is required that you have to get your child moved to another class. Remember, that again is going to to set up upheaval. So we need to learn how to manage disappointments. Your child will be disappointed if they don't get the teacher that they want. And it's a big part of growing up for our children. The world's not a perfect place and you don't always get what you want. But that doesn't mean you give up and sulk or throw tantrums. What it does mean is that you've got to try and find the good in every situation and every person, no matter how small. So if you're able to hold that space for your child instead of interfering Mm -hmm. with the decisions that have been made, you may just be allowing your child an opportunity to learn something unexpected about someone or themselves. And, of course, there's the odd occasion and it's a very odd occasion where you really really have to go and intervene and ask for a teacher change but what I'm saying to parents is it is the rare occasion and we need to provide our children with that time and space to get to pull themselves together and to cope with this change they've got 12 years of school you will never get the teacher you want 12 years in a row you didn't yeah and I didn't and neither will your children. And we need to do our best for them, which actually means teaching them how to cope when things don't feel like they've got the best deal in the world. And the Mm. interesting thing is that they usually, after a couple of days, settle in and they're absolutely fine. Don't let your children press your hot button. And human chemistry is actually a really funny thing. 
because our own perceptions are often not always accurate. And if we let them hit our hot buttons because we didn't have a, a good experience with a teacher in our own childhood, it can really set up our children for, um, for great disappointment. And for believing that if they don't get the teacher they want, they're going to have a terrible year. And And that's the last thing we want for our children. And as you say, Nikki, more to that point, uh, every interaction with uh, various people in our lives is not going to be optimal. (laughs) It's essentially going to teach us how to negotiate scenarios, negotiate situations, and uh, try to achieve the best outcome. And I guess school is not too early to start doing that. You're doing that at any rate with uh, your fellow uh, learners with your uh, the children in your class absolutely mm. and you know rushing into the school to get your child reassigned you know understand that the schools are big um you know even if it's preschool and there are four classes the amount of time that it takes schools to mm. to set up the class list to set up the timetables, to set up the extracurricular timetables, it is mind-boggling. You imagine how many parents, you know, if you've got a lot of parents going in and demanding changes, wow, you're creating such stress. So just give your children a little bit of time to settle. They're not going to settle in one day. They're not going to settle in three days. They're probably going to take the rest of this month to settle. Give them a good two or three weeks Mm. and take a breath and just let them get through the day. And this is what you're going to do at the end of every day. You're going to do the sweets and the sours game at the dinner table. When you're going to go around the table, you're going to ask everybody to have a turn to share their sour of the day. What was the worst thing that happened today? And how did it make you feel? And you're going to hear all sorts of things, and you're going to share your your worst part of your day too. And then you'll do the positive side, the sweet of the day. And you're also going to hear interesting things, maybe things they didn't tell you in the car on the Mm. way home from school. Mm. And so you've got to give some time and space and airtime for your children to share the good and the bad of their day because there's always going to be good and bad. You're never going to have everything being good in the day. And it might be something big, might be something small. But this is teaching your children how to cope with life. That's why new beginnings and change is actually important. It's important that children deal with this during childhood and are not protected from it until they leave home. Mm. It builds their bank of resilience and adaptability that's going to stand them in good stead in the future. And Rafael, I have a, an ebook if people want to get the details. It's the Back to School Sanity Guide. And if parents want to get hold of it, it's at nickybush.com. Lovely stuff. Nikki, thank you so much for those uh, very useful pointers and reminders as well. So, of course, people can find, uh, they can, as you said, nickybush.com for the ebook. And uh, where do they find you on Facebook? Come and join me in my Parenting Matters group where we continue this conversation after the show. All right, fantastic stuff. Nikki, a pleasure as always.